Hello and welcome to Saw Talks, a podcast for service members, veterans, first responders, and their families and friends from across the globe. We're here to talk about anything and everything, but especially topics that concern today's warriors. And by that, not only do I mean our service members and veterans, but our firemen, police, emergency medical technicians, and the like. Here we thank you and we celebrate you for what you do every day and because we are you. Save a Warrior is a warrior-led team focused on helping other warriors struggling with post-traumatic stress and suicide. We tackle this epidemic head-on with our program. This is what Save a Warrior is, and it saves lives. As this is our first episode, we thought it would be fitting to follow up with Army veteran Delon Beckett, who was one of the subjects for a documentary by Soldat O'Brien that featured Save a Warrior and their holistic program that helps warriors help themselves. The documentary is called The War Comes Home, and it first aired on CNN back in 2014. Now, today with me is Jimmy Connors. Uh, from cohort uh, 009 and of course Delon Beckett as I just mentioned and uh, my name is Josh Whiting I'm from cohort 013 um, and today we're just going to kind of cover what uh, the War Comes Home was about what Save Warrior is about and these fine gentlemen are going to share with us their experiences not just uh, with Save a Warrior but also as you know veterans and as active members of their community so welcome gentlemen thank you for talking to me tonight i really appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you for having me thank you for having me guys yeah, great to be here delon have you ever seen the war comes home have you actually like watched it did you watch it in theaters no i did not watch it in theaters i've seen that thing way too many times <laughs> i never want to watch it again <laughs> get me wrong soledad o'brien did an awesome job but it's one thing to move forward and then continually remind yourself of uh yes the right. horribleness so yeah i don't i don't have any interest to in watching it anymore you know living through it was enough for yeah. me would would you say that, that that it changed the way that you look at life? That that it changed the way that you live your life today? The documentary or going through Save a Warrior? Going through Saw. Oh yeah, you know, definitely has changed my outlook on a lot of things. Um, spe- specifically, like, you know, just continually watching the war continuing, you know, mm-hmm. and with no end in sight. And it's quite discouraging to see that because as long as it doesn't end, we're going to continue to have these very real issues. What do you, what do you think about uh, some of the movements that are going on as far as like soldier resiliency, uh, where they're actually trying to condition soldiers to, or condition service members to, not get post traumatic stress? I think something like that is is really long overdue. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like the samurai in Japan, you know, the meditation and in the arts and calligraphy, you know, meditative art, you know, the warriors in uh, in mind and in spirit as well. And so um, I think that's something that's long overdue. But I can easily see uh, a man's spirit or a woman's spirit being broken by, you know, with the realization of, you know, or either the realization or the the questions that start to arise. What are we doing here? 
you know, what, what am I doing? What is, and you come back home and you see this real, no, there's really no, uh, uh, contrast to the actions that you have as to, you know, security or, you know, your, uh, you, the constitutional rights, you know, if anything, that stuff gets more diminished over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a little, I just, I just don't, uh, you know, as, as it continues, I just, even if you are resilient to it, I think eventually some part of that aspect is going to start wearing you down. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. Cause I don't really think that there can be like a hundred percent resilience. I mean, I think, I mean, at least I hope that the military or the department of defense is not going towards a program where they think they can send service members overseas or, you know, put them in harm's way and then expect them not to have any kind of, you know, psychological effects from that. You know, that, that I'm hoping that's not what it is. I mean, I definitely think that they can make informed decisions on whether or not that they're more susceptible to mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress. And, and, and I think that they can not so much base people's enlistment into the armed forces, but just so it can be kind of a information point for the person trying to join the military. Like, you know, based on your medical profile, blood work that we've done, different things that, you know, we've done. Because, I mean, you know, you know, they do a whole load of stuff before you join the military already. Right. So yeah, bend over and cough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that it would just be one more thing or maybe a change of what already happens to kind of tell that person, OK, well, you aren't as susceptible to, po- to post-traumatic stress. But I know that this is kind of it's still entry level studies that they're doing now. It's not nothing. There's nothing concrete as far as I know, but I mean, Jimmy, what, what would you think about something like that? Well, it's, you know, something has to be in place for when these men and women come home. I mean, they go overseas, they deal with different issues, Mm -hmm. whether it's rocket attacks, mortar attacks, you know, whether you're, it's been a traumatic event, whether you're banging on doors, whether you're searching caves. There's been a lot of research at the university of Pennsylvania, it shows more intensely about meditation and what you're likely to experience, transform your inner reality, but more to calm down the brain. And but as far as um, I mean, there's, there's different programs out there. You know, SOA's been around for four years now, mm-hmm. and the big thing is the meditation twice a day. Now, what what was your first impression of meditation when you came in day zero? Well, I was very open to it. I was very open to it. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, once you drop down and you relax your body and you really um, concentrate, you let go, um, it slows your brain down. You know, the the, uh, the only way I can describe it is, like my brain, the human body is trying to process all these different problems at once. And you have all these thoughts and emotions going through your brain. So once you just take 20 minutes, you sit quietly, you focus on your breathing, focus on your finger movements, and you just relax yourself, a lot of the stuff... You know, it just goes. A lot of stuff you realize what's important, what's not important, but the main thing is you're relaxing your body. You're you're taking a lot of stress away. Delon, what was your first experience with meditation? Was it something that you were open to, or what was there any kind of resistance? I had been uh, meditating. I meditated. Started meditating when I was around like uh, 17 or 18. Oh, cool. Um, up until probably I was like 20, and then oh wow, I just kind of stopped doing it and got over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
but uh so when when they brought up the meditation aspect i was like oh cool you know started bringing up memories and how good i felt when i did do it in the past i was like this is probably a really good avenue i can't believe i didn't think of this already before it's like one of those obvious answers that are staring you in the face that you just don't see right you know so the the meditation was it was it was uh perfect it was a good tool it really works awesome i i know for me uh it was something that I had never done before, so I kind of met it with a little bit of definitely some skepticism. But, I mean, ultimately, over the cohort, by the end of it, I, I was I was hooked. Just because those first two days, I, the experience that I had with meditation was just so positive, overwhelmingly positive, coupled with all the different things that we were doing. It was just such an overwhelming, positive experience, even with you know, rehashing some old events and bringing up some things that I hadn't thought about or really didn't want to think about. Now, as far as bringing up things that you really don't want to talk about, you know, there's a lot of suppression from, you know, the past, a lot of suppression of traumatic events that happened to you. And meditation kind of makes you face more inward and face those things up front. What's the major focus with that, Jimmy? Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it could be tough. Those thoughts come up, those feelings come up. But the way the meditation calms me, um, you know, I can let them go. I mean, it's tough. You're sitting there, thoughts, experiences you'll remember that the brain's trying to process, stuff that you don't care to remember, stuff that you want to move on from. But what's good is you can decide what you want to let go and what you want to hold on, hold on to. Mm. Some stuff, you know, you just uh, you let it go. Sometimes I think about the Middle East and, and stuff I've gone through, but... I can deal with it a lot better. You know, I'm sleeping a lot better since I started meditating. It took me three days to get it. You know, I got it by the middle of my cohort. You know, as far as this, from, from, from myself, you just relax. You try to stay calm, you know, and, and let it go. But it's, uh, it gets better. You know, you're, you're, you know, have an amygdala the size of a quarter. And then after they've been meditating for months on end, it shrinks down. You know, that's what processes stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one thing that really surprised me was when the anatomy of it was broken down yes. and how, you know, the the limbic system, you know, is is so just overwhelmed all the time that the amygdala like they actually changed the physical properties of the brain. That that, that really shocked me. Yeah, it's the, crazy to to see that it's actually like a uh, you know, a physical thing that you can actually witness. Yeah. Yeah. happening. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most impactful thing for you, Delon, during those five days? Oh shit, it's been it's been uh quite some time. Let me, I, uh... let me dig back into this, uh, <laughs> this brain of mine. <laughs> I guess it's being 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 real with myself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was probably one of the most impactful things because, you know, you deny, deny, deny that you even have a problem um, and you just continue on destroying yourself and having the opportunity where things get slowed down. You're isolated. You know, I put my cell phone in my bag and I didn't, you know, I completely shut myself off from the outside world for the whole uh, uh, week. And, uh, you know, being able to be real with myself to, you know, just be like, yeah, you're you're not going down a good path. You know, the things that you're doing are not good. And uh you should probably take this opportunity to unfuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> good 
Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I said it better, man. Now, just from the way that you're talking, it seems like you were really, really dedicated to what you were doing. It seemed like that you were going into this with not so much of an apathetic mind frame, that you were going into it with, this is my last chance. This is the last stop. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of guys and, 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 and women that come through there with that same mentality and knowing that if this doesn't work, then fuck it. Why the hell am I going to try something else? You know, yeah. and it seems to work every time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would definitely say that that seems like one of the the biggest things for Save Warrior is that people that had a lot of suicidal ideation or have actually attempted suicide, that they've gone through multiple different you know life experiences and life events. Yeah, um, it can be. Uh, it's considered. You know, sometimes it's considered the last house on the block. Yeah. For some of these men and women. I mean, right now you got it's 22, you know, well, it's not even the real numbers. That's what they tell us. But it's 22 warriors a day. You know, that's every 65 minutes. That's, I mean, it's, it's astounding. It's 8,000 men and women veterans a year. And, and, and that doesn't even take into account, uh, say, like suicide by police, correct? Yeah. It just it doesn't it just doesn't tell you what, you know, how the suicides, you know. Yeah. But it just, the numbers are astounding. It's, you got 530,000 veterans that are, are Registered right now, seeking treatment for post-traumatic stress. Yeah, I mean, I there's... believe the majority of that 22 is uh, Vietnam veterans, correct? Yeah, there's 150,000 Vietnam veterans that have been lost since coming home. Yes, and, you uh, can only imagine, as uh, you know, our uh, generation ages, how this could, you know, potentially explode. You know, yeah, what's what we're saying? It's, it's a yeah. If it's taken this long still for Vietnam veterans to still get, you know, the treatment that they deserve. Lord knows how long it will take for us to get that same thing. You know, our population is crazy. It's a tough. It's a. Uh, it's a tough rock. I mean, uh, I always say the Vietnam vets paved the road for us. They paved the road for us, and they're starting to get some of the stuff they deserve and stuff they need, but they're not getting it all. And yeah. the reason why we get a lot of stuff that we're getting is because these guys didn't get it. It's getting better, but it's taking a change. It's it's happening slowly, but it's not happening fast enough. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know that we've lost more people to suicide than we have to combat in the post-9-11 wars. Yeah. That, to me, is absolutely staggering and, of course, unacceptable. I mean, that's it's it's hard to think about that there's more people that have no, died right. at home, you know, to, by their own hand, as, as, as opposed to dying in a combat. Of, a lot of people never mention that. I mean, post-traumatic stress has killed more U.S. military personnel by suicide than by the tragedies of 9-11 and both the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan going on right now. A lot of people never mention that. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, they want to stick it in a closet somewhere, but, you know, we're trying to do something about it. You know, so we're trying to do something about it. People don't know why our program works, but it works. You know, our mission, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, don't get me wrong, it's love, it's initiation, but, you know, it's the right time for, for these guys, men and women coming back, transform their fixed way of being, as we say. But we have the right audience. You know, we've got one million active duty and returning warriors that are already suffering from post-traumatic stress. Our project is designed specifically to support this latest generation of men and women vets that are returning. Mm-hmm. But you also have to look at the curriculum and the technique. I mean, Save a Warrior offers safe, evidence-based techniques. Some of them are, as we say, enjoyable to practice. But it allows warriors access to their own internal mechanisms. As you know, Not to sound technical like a doctor, but you're trying to reduce the devastating side effects of post-traumatic stress by the meditation like building the community, the guys checking on each other, calling each other. You know, we talk about servant leadership, but we give people the power and wisdom to serve others. But the main thing is it's going to take our generation to fix our generation. Mm. And that's why this program is designed. That's why Jake designed this program. 
And then really, that's that's what the continuation has been. Because yes. I mean, I know that even in uh, in uh, my cohort, that was one thing that was really, really focused on was that we are the answer to the problem. We are. During that time, when 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 uh, Jake was contacted, you know, there weren't there weren't many options for effectively addressing this issue. I mean, Jake knew the VA was failing. You know, suicidal veterans at an alarming rate, and many were continually in and out of the rooms of AA of different programs, and through a great deal of research, he created SAW, you know, the nonprofit that teaches meditation, a mm -hmm. week of um, treatment, you know, the way we set it up. It's built on trust, built on, uh, you know, learning to leave everything behind and moving on. Now, Delon, what, what would you say, what would be the moment during your cohort that just scared the shit out of you? Was there anything uh, like that, like any of the obstacle courses? The, I think it's when we did the string exercise, when uh, everybody picked a different uh, side of the string, and uh, so it was all crisscross and everything like that. And so, like, the two was telling us, you know, uh, how we're all connected to each other's lives, and as you know, one lets go of the string, the connection starts to get lost, and you know, the whole string is structure that was built from crisscrossing between everybody grabbing it starts to get less and less powerful and it was to highlight mainly you know what really happens when you know a person commits suicide is all those connections that you have to you they they get broken and it's a devastating effect across all those uh connections so oh, wow. that was pretty uh it was pretty deep for me i was like oh shit you know, didn't really mm -hmm. think about it like that. I was just like, yeah, I'll get my one-way ticket out of this fucking place, and uh, that'll be it. You know, really taking into consideration everybody else. Wow, yeah. Wow. I've, I've never heard that. Wow, that's that's deep, man. It's deep. That's an impactful ex exercise because, you know, when, when there's a piece of someone holding a string, or when you tug on a string, you feel how, how many people it affects, how many people are holding on to it. Something that I really noticed before I had even heard about Save a Warrior, was that I just felt nothing, right? And I remember looking at my wife and looking at the kids and saying, I don't feel anything. Like, my brain is telling me that what they're doing is really cute, what they're doing is, is, is adorable, but it's also telling me that I should be feeling something right now. That feeling that those are my children, that's those are my two little dismounts, you know, over there playing, <laughs> And, and I was feeling nothing. Whereas opposed to after I went to Save a Warrior, those feelings of love and really longing, they started to return. I, I, I missed my, you know, even though it was five days, and I mean, I'd been away from, you know, my kids for longer than that, you know, during a deployment. But coming home after my cohort, seeing my family and, and you know, my kids and everything was just, it was overwhelming. You know, I, I felt so much more when I got off the plane and, yes. and, and saw them. It was just, it, it was, it was amazing. It, at least that, that, that's the way it was for me. Cause I mean, I, I, I look at my kids even today and I think of, wow, they've grown so fast or, you know, I just want to go, you know, sit next to my oldest daughter and just talk to her for a little bit, whether it's about school or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I don't think that, I would have that kind of interest, that I would have that kind of feeling if if I hadn't done something about the way that I viewed the world. If I hadn't changed my perspective, I think that I probably would be living by myself. I probably would have gotten divorced. I wouldn't have a relationship. Oh, I'd be dead, man. Yeah. Dead. I was very fortunate to find this program. I couldn't lift my head up. I was in shame. 
I was in shame the whole week until like maybe the last two days, and I could finally lift my head back up. But I was a, you know, it's like I was a different person when I came home. When I went there, I went there with shame, with guilt, with resentment, and I left. And I could hold my head up. It was I, I approached my family a whole different way when I got home. They were just they could see the, the light in me, and um, it wasn't the same guy that left. That's for sure. And I was amazed, you know. I was truly amazed, you know. I was like, what are you going to teach me in a week, you know? It's only a week long. What are you going to show me? And what they fulfilled the week with and, and, and taught us, I just, I'm forever th- thankful for it. What about you, Delon? Was there anything that, um, like your wife or your, your kids that pointed out, like, this is different. This is something that, that's changed in you, and, and I can tell. Yeah, it's been, it was kind of like a, for lack of a better term, a bipolar uh, approach over the last two years because of, uh, you know, things would positively change in myself and then they would go, I would regress, you know, and, uh, you know, sink back into depression and have a lot of anxiety and then I would go get back on medication again and then it would be all good and then while on the medication it started making me feel worse so eventually I was like, I don't want to take this shit anymore and then just regress really bad. You know, just come to find out, you know, this uh this isn't just situational depression or anxiety, it's you know, it's gonna be here. So uh, being able to come to terms with that and to stay on medication so I can be level, you know, things mm-hmm. have been wife notices things are good, more energy, positive. Yeah, they definitely notice the change when it happens. I mean, women pay attention to everything. yeah they never forget anything you say or do they never forget it that's for sure you guys reading anything interesting right now i'm reading a book called tribe by sebastian younger i was pronounced his name sebastian uh it's spelled younger with a j but sebastian younger wrote a book called tribe it's different um it relates to indian tribes and fitting into society and it's it's mainly pertains to the military and war veterans i was reading what it's like to go to war for the second time by Carl Marlantis, which I got a lot out of. Awesome. But I'm also reading a, a book called um, Achilles in Vietnam. It's by Jonathan Shea, and it's about the uh, it's about Vietnam vets and PTSD and the and you know returning home from war. Carl Marlantis is such an awesome author. I, I, I love yeah. I, I love that book. What it's like to go to war. The one book I hear with a thousand faces by Joseph Campbell. That's where we use the uh, the monomyth. Mm-hmm. That relates to a lot. But, of course, what it's like to go to war. Uh, right now, King Warrior, Magician Lover. Uh, Matterhorn is another book by Carl Marlantis. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a long list. Uh, you have The Call of the Wild into the Wild. But, you know, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, another Joseph Campbell. Or The Road Less Traveled. But stuff when you're on, your, on a spiritual journey. The, the War of Art, not to be confused with The Art of War, but The War of Art is a book by Stephen Pressfield. There's a really good read uh, that's on the reading list called Man's Search for Meaning yes. by uh, Victor E. Frankel, and it's 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 super short, and it, Frankel, it, it, course, it's yeah. so packed, really good stuff. Like uh, there's 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 some really deep, insightful stuff that you can just apply to your life. I mean, I'm not going to say easily, but stuff that you'd never really thought of before, and it's and it's really short that you almost have to go back and go yes. through it again, you know. That's why I'm reading what it's like to go to war for a second time. Uh, another book, When Things Fall Apart by Pima Children. That's a, uh, that's a book I want to read, When Things Fall Apart. Are you reading anything, Delon? Probably not too long after I got from the cohort. It was called uh, Buddha's Brain. And it's uh, the neuroscience of, 
happiness, love, and wisdom. Yes. So it basically just covers why your brain does what it does. You know, like it goes over to when you're back in the day being fearful of everything and holding on to, you know, bad five bad experiences for one good experiences was a evolutionary advantage. You know, it helped keep you alive, you know, to look at a snake and realize that's a snake. And then when you look at a stick, you're like, oh, shit, that might be a snake. But <laughs> in today's, uh, you know, the way that we are today, you know, five bad experiences, uh, it, it doesn't really work for us. So we hold on to a lot of the negative instead of the positive. So the brain's built like Velcro. You know, it attaches more to negative experiences than the positive experiences. So it was just really interesting to get that uh, that approach on uh, you know the brain and why it does what it does. That's the key. Yeah, the three of us we went through a transformative experience. The three of us, you know, we as you say, we've all returned to the known world. We're, we've returned to the known world on our journey. And returned to the known world and have more questions than answers. <laughs> <laughs> like like you know uh, when you go through the meditation process to let the thoughts go and uh, you know and you're just observing. You know your thoughts as they as they come up, but what's always been you know questioning me is just like uh, you know if the brain is thinking these things and these things are happening and you're observing it, then are you the brain or are you something else? Hmm. You know who's observing the brain your your, your activity sure. that is going on in your brain if you have to tell it to stop thinking those negative thoughts. You know it's almost like you're you you have not subjugating your brain, but, you know, it's almost like you're monitoring your brain and forcing it to change the way that it thinks. You're marginalizing exactly. it, yeah. And it's always been curious to me is, uh, you know, is it your brain that's censoring itself? Is it, or is it creating the illusion that there's somebody else that's, that's making it censor the brain? Or is it just, you know, the brain is just that complicated that it can tell itself that it's feeling terrible, but at the same time, have enough uh, awareness to tell itself that you should probably stop thinking that stuff because it's making you feel bad. Hmm. Like, is there kind of a grounding technique that either you learned with Save a Warrior or has evolved from something that you learned from Save a Warrior that helps you even today? I just learned at the end of the day, like 95% of the shit that happens doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. Throughout the course of your day, Everybody's doing their own thing, and, you know, right. it, it doesn't really affect you. And it's just being able to take that perspective and just going throughout the day and doing what you can to make some kind of sense of this world that we live in and uh, be a better person for it, you know, and try to make it a better better place while you're here. But it really, most of the things don't really matter because at the end of the day, when the time comes, you're going to die, and nothing is going to be taken with you to the grave. Yes. And, that gives you a lot of freedom. Gives you so much freedom with that realization that you're right. You're right. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, it's reminded me of some. A Baptist minister told me many years ago, and you guys probably know this, but he goes, "You know, what's the one thing you never see behind a hearse?" And he goes, "That's a U-Haul truck because you can't bring any of this shit with you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a. It's an eye-opening uh, thought, you know, because it's all it does is it just takes your perspective, 
and that's what most of these things are in the world is a perspective. As soon as you change your perspective, you have a different outlook on everything. Right. Now, I know that we all have daily rituals that we do, whether it's taking a shower or brushing our teeth or you know making the bed, um, which is a really good one, by the way. Uh, but is there anything that you find for both of you guys? Is there anything that you guys find in your daily routine that would be kind of a ritual practice that gives you a sense of meaning for the day or, you know, something that gives you that sense of gratitude of accomplishment, something positive that impacts your day for the good. You know what I've been doing? And some people think this is strange, but you know, besides uh, meditating and, you know, trying to stay sober and I try to read um, three or four pages a day, at least of a, of a good book. But uh, I have a, a little pad and a pen and I try to write down things I did during the day that maybe I could have did better or things I did. Not, not, not that I'm trying to be a perfectionist, but some of the stuff when you write it down, you see it like, oh, well, I could have been more polite. Or I should have been that much of a rush or, or maybe, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it might be. Um, like, for instance, I went to – maybe it has nothing to do with anything, but I went to the electronics store today to return an air conditioner for an elderly lady. Who uh, on the back of the receipt it says she can't return air conditioners, but she's uh, I didn't know that neither did she. She's 75, but she's in the hospital. So I go there and I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, this woman's 75. It doesn't fit in the window. And he's like, what do you mean it doesn't fit in the window? And right away, you know, I don't want to go to my default saying like, what? You try to question the size of my window? Like, well, like, wait, wait, like, you know, like you just take the thing back. You know, just take the thing. Out the, but I was like, you know, sir, I, I understand. You know, she didn't see it. You know, she. I was very pleased that she didn't. She didn't read it on the back of the receipt. I, I had no idea. It's still in the box. You know, we never opened it, but we checked the size. It's not going to fit. And she's she's old. She can't get here. And the main exception. You know, they, they took it back. But rather than you know, but I, I wrote that down because I was about to lose my patience. And I was like, well, like right away you questioned me. Like just take a thing. Take, it's still in the box. Nobody opened it. Just take it back, man. Come on now. I bought it here. I got the receipt. But you know, but sometimes I, uh, I gotta look at the way I, I, the way I look at life too. You know, it just takes that much moment for a smile to someone, or, or just to uh, really look at someone in the eye and pay attention to what they're saying to you. You know, I used to get all raw and, and be angry, and, and you know, I was a selfish guy for a lot of years. I was a very selfish man, and uh, you know, I worked to overcome that. You know, I find a lot. I, I use humor a lot. It's not a lot. There's not a lot of things in life that can be laughed at. Some stuff is just plain sad. You can't make light of it, and some stuff, you know. But you try to see the the, light, the lighter side of a lot of different things. Awesome. awesome. The Jinx, you owe me soda. <laughs> I'll mail it to you. <laughs> is there uh, anything in your life, Delon, that you know kind of mirrors that 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 type of mentality? I gotta exercise, man. Like, especially when I come home from work, it just really. Uh, it's kind of like hitting the dragging everything in the brain and putting in that into the uh, recycle bin on the computer. You're just doing a dump. Yeah. You know. But yeah, you know the exercising releases a lot of good feel good chemicals in the uh, in the brain, and it really helps uh, reset. You get out of the work mode and dealing with different people's personalities and the different issues. You know, one person may take something personally and it's just strictly business, and you're trying to be diplomatic and whatnot and it really allows you to just flush all that out the window and you get and you get in shape at the same time and you're able yeah. to just reset so when you come in the house you know you're not 
you're literally not bringing work home any where you bring work home, but you get rid of it. And then you don't even think about it anymore. So you can focus on the more important things in life, like your family, how the universe works, you know, what's going on in the world. What can you do about it? Cool, man. I mean, I I bet you that's a, that's a big key thing for, you know, a lot of veterans, a lot of folks. And I mean, not, not just veterans, but I mean, a lot of folks that, that struggle with whether it's depression, uh, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, that especially after a rough work day, having that out, kind of that, that, that output of, you know, stress and negativity, or maybe not just negativity, but just different things that you don't want to take home, you kind of have to, you know, let it out, right? So, I mean, exercise, I think, is an awesome way to do that. Yeah, because you definitely, like, throughout the course of the day, you're being bombarded by other people's energies, you know, their different emotions. And if you're not careful, you carry, you can easily be influenced. And I think, you know, Jimmy was just alluding to that, how the guy was getting, you know, mad. He's trying to return it. And, you know, he's noticing, he's, he's feeling that he's about to get, you know, upset about it. But he caught himself, you know that person's aggression is rubbing off on you and you're, you know, you're getting influenced into having that aggressive response. And, you know, it's one of the best ways to just kind of flush everybody else's emotions out of it. So you can get back and ground it into yourself. Yeah, totally. I mean, the little things that you do for yourself or for somebody else every day, those are the things that really matter and stick with you, not just for that day, but you know, the days to come. Um, I know something that changed my life in, you know, some way was even just making my fucking bed every day. Just because no matter how bad of a day you have, no matter if everything goes wrong during that day, you'll come home to a made bed. You'll always have that sense of accomplishment. That first task of the day is done. It doesn't even take that long. It does give me that sense of accomplishment. It gives me that little boost. I wake up and I make the bed. Okay, now I can start the day. That's a very good point. That is a good point, yeah. So do either of you guys still keep in touch with folks from your cohort? I do. I do. I text some of the guys. I mean, some of the guys, you know, it's tough because I always tell the guys, you know, this could be the last time you see the guy. You know, you might talk on the phone, you may talk on the computer, but this may be the last time in your life you see the guy. It's tough to uh, get across the U.S. and you have families and jobs and right. you're taking care of a loved one or whatever if you're running a business. But, um, you know, some of the guys I keep in touch with, I try to text the guys every couple of months, just check in, say hello. Some of the guys get back to me. Sometimes the guys are busy. Yeah, I, I try to do my best to keep in touch with, with everybody. I'm really bad at keeping in contact with uh, people, and I'm terrible with it because, I, you know, usually I just kind of used to, and I'm really trying to break out of this, is, uh, you know, doing things on my own, you know, and, and facing, trying to face issues on, on my own. Um, even when I was a kid, you know, I'd go outside, and if none of my friends were around, I'd probably just, you know, hang out outside by myself instead of going back inside the house. So... You know, I try to keep in contact. I try to text and whatnot, but uh, I could definitely do better. You know what scene was always in, in the movie, and not even to bring this up, but the scene where Delon is in front of the house, it's with his family, and it's just towards the. He's just, he's got the Batman pajama. He's just, you know, he just, he's just to the point where he's just not caring, and he's just, you know, and the comeback from that, it's Delon is a different man. He's like a totally different person. 
Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta get rid of things that no longer serve you. Well said. Well said. Did you still have those Batman pajamas, Delon? Oh yeah. <laughs> they came, came in handy during uh, winter time over here. You know, because it, it actually snows and shit. So <laughs> <Yep. like> that. <laughs> That's right. How long did you live in California? You spend most of your life in California. Oh yeah, you know, I left when I was eighteen and went up to Washington to go play some music with some buddies and. Okay. Uh, I lived up there for a couple of years, then moved to Colorado for about a year, and then moved back to California. But, um, yeah. yeah, majority of my time was spent in Southern California in the permanent summer land. I like Colorado. I like it out there. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful place, man. You know, most things, uh, like good hiking trails and everything. What is one thing that you you guys really want to drive home, whether – it's something that has to do with Save a Warrior, or it's something that's really impacted your life. I want to acknowledge the people that are listening to this. I want to tell them we're different than anything else they've probably experienced. There's no greater advocate for peace than a man or woman that's been to war. And we're doing all we can, and if you know someone that's struggling or someone that's suffering, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's PTSD, reach out to us. Maybe we can find you help, or maybe our program will be a fit. Delon, anything? You know, I think it's okay to let go of the human experience a lot of times. I think we get wrapped up in that a lot, and that causes us to, you know, go in that circle of uh, pain. And to, you know, to have that freedom to let go of that human experience and just accept things for what they are is, uh, is a beneficial process. Awesome, guys. To everyone listening, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you want to join in yourself. Please visit us at savealwarrior.org and find out more about us and how you can support these warriors in need. While you're there, leave us some feedback on the podcast by using contact on the website and putting saw talks in the subject. If you're on social media, you can find us on Facebook as savealwarrior-saw and on Twitter with at Save a Warrior. And here is Kerry Degman to close everything out with his song, Pray for a Soldier in Pain. He gave up everything to fight for your freedom, not for recognition he knows you need him. The courage that got him there was enough to get him home, but now that he's back, he's never felt so alone. One is one too many, but every day heroes take their own lives. Why doesn't anyone listen when a soldier cries? They're taking bullets for you, they've been through hell for you, they gave up everything, need a little help from you. You don't have to know their name to pray for a soldier in pain. to deal with the things he's done nobody's told him he's not the only one four pounds of pressure beneath the trigger finger away from clearing his memory one is one too many but every day heroes take their own lives why doesn't anyone in soldier cry 